Thank you for listening to the Paradigm Podcast. Paradigm is a young adult ministry that exists to see lives changed by Jesus. For more information about Paradigm, go to ParadigmKC.com. We hope this message is inspiring and life-changing. Thanks for listening. Copy God's Word. Once you find the book of Romans is where we're going to start at tonight. We're going to be a little bit all over the map because we are kicking off a new series and we're talking about a subject matter that typically the Bible doesn't address in just one spot. And so we hope that this is going to be an exciting next couple of weeks with you guys. And we want to do this series called We're Just Talking because there's all sorts of phrases that are used to describe your relationship status that can be a little bit confusing and that should be no surprise because when it comes to dating, romance, and relationships, let's just be honest. It's a little complicated, right? So maybe you've come in here and you've got a significant other and that's what you call each other. Or maybe you call each other boyfriend, girlfriend, or maybe she's your ride or die, or maybe that's just, you know, your side thing, or maybe it's your flame, or maybe it's you're just talking, or you're texting, or you've slid in the DM. I don't know what you're doing, but or maybe like you're really, really spiritual and you're courting. You know, maybe that's you. I don't know if that's you here tonight. But, but all over the map, we have these different titles and these different things to try to describe what we are. And, and, and oftentimes, there is this point in time in any romantic relationship where you're like, hey, hey, we need to define this thing. And we hope that over the next couple of weeks, we can equip you with some biblical principles to be able to traverse the difficult landscape that romantic relationships are in the day and age in which we live. But before we get to God's word, I wanna share with you a story um, that happened in my life just a, about a year ago. Um, I don't know if you've ever uh, been in the wild outdoors, uh, but I, I'm from the South, and uh, one of the things that is happening in the South right now is that there is a takeover of wild feral hogs. And so when you go down South, like you'll see hogs out, I mean, they're bold, y'all. They'll be out in the middle of the day, and hogs, they have root and toot and good time, right? And what I mean by that is that they root up the ground. And, and so what, what happens consequently is that there's no season on hogs in the South. And so what I mean by that is that they're just kind of like, hey, if you, can, if you can manage the hog population, please manage the hog, the hog population. So <laughs> what's happened in the South, this is going to blow some of y'all's minds, um, there, there are people that, that this is basically what they do for fun. They'll work all day, and then they'll go out at night, and they'll try to manage the hog population. Well, these are good people to know if you're wanting to have a good time. And so what happened was I called up one of my buddies, and he's like, man, we have these high-powered assault AR rifles, I mean assault rifles with thermal optic, like, like night vision, and like, I mean, I feel like I'm military, like it's hog team six out there. I've got these guys with me, and I'm just so like, this, you know, like every little boy's dream come true. I'm out there, and, and y'all can judge me if you want, but anyway, it's, we're managing the population. And so um, we go, we go, and, and like, it was so exciting. Drive down, we go out to eat, and like, as soon as the sun fell down, we're like, let's go. And we went out a little bit early just to prepare and make sure the people that I was with, like, they knew how to fire the arms and everything was going to be safe. And, and so, like, I'm, I'm making sure, like, they're prepared. And then, and then my buddy who set us up with everything, he gave me my, my gun, and we're out, man. And it is like, it, the excitement is palpable. We're walking around, like, where are they? You know, where are they? You know, we're about to manage this thing. Some of y'all are losing respect for me as I keep talking. Anyway, and so, like, it goes on and on and on, and by midnight, we're like, man, ain't no hogs out here, man, you know? We're just all frustrated now. It's midnight. We've been walking around because the way you hunt hogs is you got to get on foot. You got to stalk them. You got to see the signs. You got to figure out where they're at, and then you get on them, and we came on to this herd, 
And we're like, all right, this is the moment we've been, late, we've been waiting for. And everyone gets ready, and there's, there's silencers on these things. Hog Team 6, we're fired up, you know, and we, we count to three. And all of a sudden, like my, my guys, they just start, doo, 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 doo. they start firing. And, and my gun ain't working. I'm like, what's wrong with my gun? And I'm like, I think it's jammed. And so I try to like, and I say, click, click, and it, it ain't working. And I realized that the friend that gave me this gun, he didn't put no bullets in my gun. And I never took the time to even investigate my equipment. You know, I'm, care, I'm caring for these folks. And then finally, when the opportunity presented itself, I wasn't prepared. And here's what I learned. That opportunity without preparation will lead to failure every time. Now, this is true with hog hunting, but it's also true with dating. Now, I ain't calling nobody a hog tonight, so y'all chill out. All right, we're about to leave the metaphor, okay? But my hunt is a lot like the romantic landscape in life. Man, there's excitement, right? Y'all know this. You, you get excited. You're like, we about, we about to find some significant others tonight, right? You get your crew together. Y'all putting war paint on. You got everything decked out. You know, you get the plan together. You making sure Johnny's prepared. You making sure Susie's prepared, whatever, you know. Like she got her stilettos on and make sure everything can walk and be balanced, you know. You get out there. You excited. You about to, you about to get up. And then... You look around, ain't nobody, you know, and you at the club, you at the party, you at the bar, you at PL, or you're at church, whatever your vibe is. Some are better than others, all right? But you're at your thing, and you're seeking opportunities, you're following the signs, and then everybody's had that moment where you're like, there they are, there she is, there he is. You get all excited. And you fire off your best pickup line, only realize you aren't prepared. And the pickup line may have gotten you a little, of a little bit of attention, but when it came to really committing to a romantic relationship, you realized, I'm not prepared for this. An opportunity without preparation in a romantic relationship leads to frustration at best and failure at worst. So here's what we do, like we come in here and we, we slip into all of these like confusing relationship zones, right, with people. And so instead of like being a man, man, and having a DTR with her, we'll just kind of do like what the video said and we'll, like somebody, that will say, you know, we're, we're just talking, you know, and, and you're headed in this direction with these ideas, she's headed in this direction with these ideas, but you haven't been man enough to clarify this. And so you're just like, well, we're just talking so that you can keep sliding DMs to other girls, posting shirtless photos, because deep down inside, you don't want to put yourself out there with her because you're insecure and you don't want to get rejected. Hello. And then, and then, so we'll just say, well, we're just talking because, because if I do that, I can stay safe and I don't have to question my ego. Or girls, we'll, we'll, we're just talking. And, and you'll have this, this kind of loose affiliation with guys. You'll keep it vague. And you like him because of the way he makes you feel but you don't like him because of the way he makes you look, because he's really nice, but he ain't that good looking, you know? And so you want to keep your options open, but you're glad to always have a reliable plus one for whatever the occasion, right? And so we'll, we'll slip into these vague ideas of what relationship is, and we'll, we'll say to somebody, you know what, we're just this, and really you're just my preference, but you're not my priority. And we seek romantic opportunities, and we're misfiring because we really aren't prepared for a relationship 
But even in light of all of this, the hunt continues, right? And we come in here and we deeply want a romantic relationship, most of us. We want to find Mr. Right or Mrs. Right. And there's this pervasive lie that we've, we've been sold by our culture that if we find Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, then everything's going to be all right. And so we start getting the right profile to put out the right bait, if you will, and we get on the right dating apps, and we start saying the right things and start doing all of these things. And we think that once we do all of those things, then we're going to be able to find Mr. Right. And we're looking for a unicorn, y'all. We're looking for, for the perfect man. He don't exist, girls. We're looking for the perfect woman. She don't exist, fellas. And, and we're looking for this mythological creature like a unicorn, thinking that we're going to find the one and we're going to spend the rest of our lives in some Cancun location just looking at each other's eyes at the infinity pool, and it's going to be amazing. And I'm here to tell you that unicorns don't exist and the perfect one for your soul doesn't exist either. If you're taking notes tonight, I've titled this message, Hunting Unicorns. Hunting Unicorns. And here's what I want you to see tonight. I want to call you to quit searching. And then I want to call you to start preparing. And I want to promise that every one of you can meet your soulmate tonight. Some of y'all excited now. Where is he? Where is he? You know? But calm down, I'll explain here in a minute. Now, now, the Bible, it doesn't say a whole lot about dating. So when we drop into the Bible and we start saying, like, should I marry Sally? Is she from, you know, I've got a, is she from Galilee? You know, and so you start, there's nothing like that in here. And there's some names, but oftentimes what we find is that the scripture is not going to be really explicit. And so when we come into a church like this, I don't know if church is new to you, but when we come into a space like this, oftentimes it can be difficult to, to turn in the Bible because there's not a lot said about how you should go from, like, like an initial re- uh, attraction to, to the altar. And so what we have to do is that we take the word of God and we allow it to begin to inform our life. Because the, the Bible doesn't say a lot about dating, but it does say a lot about life. And it does say a lot about God. And it does say a lot about people. And so we're going to drop into some various scriptures and hope and allow it to inform. And I hope that it will inform our romantic lives over the next couple of weeks together. And so the scripture is going to say this in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, a little bit of bad news, but here's what it says about you and I. No one is good. No, not one. I found a good man. No, you did. I found a good woman. No, you did. The Bible is going to give this kind of negative spin on humanity, but keeping it honest with us that no one is good, and the standard by which it's saying no one is good is God. So, so we can kind of get there, right? Like no one is perfect compared to God, but then it's going to go on and it's going to tell us more about the plight of mankind. It says this in Romans 3.23, that all, that's everybody, all have sinned. If you don't know what sin is, think mistakes, dysfunction, problems, issues, brokenness, whatever. That's sin. And sin, more specifically, is us not being able to measure up to God's expectations upon us, his perfect standard. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so if you've come in here tonight looking for a perfect person, you ain't going to find one. Point number one, if you're taking notes tonight, you can write this down. Quit searching. Quit searching. What I mean by quit searching is that if you're looking for the perfect person, Mr. Right, Mrs. Right, your soulmate, stop. He does not exist. She does not exist. And I think, like, we all know this, right? I think none of us are so naive that we come here to think that there's a perfect person that has no issues. But there's this part of us that thinks that there's a perfect person for me. 
And he may not be perfect for everybody. She may not be perfect for everybody, but she's perfect for me. And we have this ideal of I've got to find my soulmate. I've got to find my matching penguin. You know, you ever heard those like animals, they just lovers for life? I've got to find that one, right? And we'll come in here with all of these ideologies that come from all sorts of different places, like this ideal of I've got to find my soulmate. This idea of finding your soulmate, it's a pagan idea that comes from Greek mythology, that there's this myth that people were created with two heads, four arms, four legs, and that Zeus, y'all know who Zeus is, he ripped them apart. And when he ripped them apart, their soul was ripped in two as well. And that they've got to now spend their life seeking to find their other half. And once they find their other half, they found their soulmate. But until they find their other half, they are desperately inadequate and they are half of a soul. And this is Greek mythology, y'all. But but here's what I'm trying to say is that we come in here and a lot of times we borrow all of these ideas and then we build our romantic response based upon pagan ideas. We might as well well release the Kraken if we're going to believe in soulmates, y'all. And we come in here and that's the thing, that's the, those are the things that, that oftentimes inform our life. But then we have to look at the scripture and allow it to challenge our paradigm for romance, if you will. So if you've come in here and you think that there's like my soulmate that's out there, there's my person, the perfect person. What will happen oftentimes is that you'll get so niched on who that person is because you have these fantasies of, of like posting a photo with your bae and then everyone's like, y'all are so perfect together. Oh my gosh, OMG, fire heart, fire heart, right? I'm so jelly about, you know, and you just want people to make those comments on your post. And, and so you, you have this idea in mind and, and it, it doesn't exist. And there's all of these good candidates that are all around you and you're like, no, you're not the one. You're too short. No, you're not the one. You're too tall. Oh, you're not the one. You're too thin. Oh, you're not the one. You're too big. Oh, you're... No, you're not the one. You know, you're just kind of next, 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 and we just swipe left, swipe left, swipe left on everybody in sight because we think there's one that I've got to find. And oftentimes this causes us to miss a lot of good candidates along the way. And when you spend your, your 20s trying to find the Mr. Right, Mr. Mrs., or excuse me, Mr. Right, Mrs. Right, and you've just kind of played the field in your 20s, when you turn 30, it hits a little different in the romantic scene. And anybody that's 30, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You all of a sudden look up and like, I guess I'm the only one that ain't been, you know, like, okay. And, and what will happen is that you'll turn 30 and, and you start feeling a new pressure. Like, what have I been doing the last 10 years, right? And, and so what will happen is that there's this tendency to just choose the best option that's close by when you're 30. And you'll begin to settle because you feel the pressure, and you didn't find Mr. Right, but you found Mr. All Right. He all right. And we just pretend like he was the best choice or she was the best choice. So I think we, we've come in here, and when it comes to romance, we, we all have these expectations. You know, that, that, like it's exciting, right? And, and, and we all think that, that we're going to be that couple that's going to change the landscape of romance, right? And, and we, 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 we want this relationship that's just going to be, it's going to be struggle. It's going to be difficult to find one another. But once we find one another, it's going to be magical. And then we're going we're gonna to kind of just get, get married or get committed or whatever the thing is that you're looking for in regard to that. And, and then you're just going to kind of ride off 
and, and everything is going to be good. And we've been, we've been sold this narrative, right? Uh, one author, he calls it the apocalyptic romance. That, that most movies that we grew up watching was like struggle, struggle, struggle until they fell in love and then they got married and everything was good after that. Or they had their first kiss and everything was good after that. And, and we think that that's just kind of how it's going to play out for us. But, but that's not how it works. Let me explain it this way. Um, I bought this horse in college. His name was Frank because I bought him from a guy named Frank. So oftentimes when I buy an animal, I just give him the name for the person I bought him. It just makes it easy for in my mind. So Frank, he was a wild horse. And, uh, and I got Frank for $200. And, um, and anytime you buy a horse for $200, there's a reason why, okay? And Frank, he was born out in the wild, and he had never been dealt with. Now, when you're dealing with a wild horse, horse's only defense mechanism is to run. And so when you go out in a pasture, and you're trying to catch a wild horse in open pasture, oftentimes you have to kind of like corral that horse over to a smaller pasture and then into a smaller pen and then into a smaller pen and then convince them that we ain't going to the glue factory, all right? And so that's what you've got to do with the horse. But, but Frank was different, y'all. He was different. I go out in the pasture with my little halter, you know, and I just bought Frank, paid the $200, and I've got to go retrieve Frank to put him in a trailer to take him to my place. And so I go out there, and I'm like, oh, man, it's going to be a long day. And I get out there, and I got, like, some feed with me, you know. But Frank, he's a wild horse. He ain't never been dealt with that much. And I go out there, it was magical, y'all. I said, <laughs> And Frank, he looked up. There's cattle out there. There's other horses out there. They all running away. Frank, he just, hey. You know, and he came. And, and because I had hay, you know what I'm saying? And so um, he came, and, and, and he met me there, and it was just magic. Like his, his nose just went right in my hand. And I was like, hey, buddy, because a horse whisper, you know? And I was whispering on him, and, and then I put the halter on him, and I was like, this is, oh, wow. We've got momentum here, Frank. And so I lead Frank, and in my mind I'm thinking, ain't nobody, ain't nobody dealing with wild animals like me, you know? <laughs> I'm about to change the landscape in this. And then we get to start loading Frank up in the trailer, and Frank lost his mind, y'all. And four hours later, after I made threats, and after I got a little physical, we got Frank in the trailer. And I share that with you because that's a picture of relationships. That oftentimes we think it's magical. Oh, I found my one in the pasture. Yeah, whatever, you know, you know what I'm saying, not the pasture, but I found my one in... And like everything's clicking, it's going to be easy from here. And then we move on to the next phase of the relationship, and it gets difficult. We're like, man, this is a mistake. And we think because it's difficult that, that somehow something's off. Because when we have in our mind that relationships, they don't require maintenance. But I got a newsflash for you, y'all. Every relationship requires maintenance. Your relationship with your car requires maintenance, all right? And if you neglect the maintenance in any relationship, it's not going to end well. But we don't believe that. <laughs> so, like, I'll, I'll sit down with guys that are getting married. I've been married almost 14 years now. Holler at Chelsea. She's watching online. I've been married about 14 years now. And, and they'll ask me things like, hey, bro, how do you read her mind? <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> they don't really ask me that. But, but they want to they know, like, what's the secret and I'm like, you want to know the secret? They're like, yeah, what is it? I'm like, get over yourself, go home, love your wife. 
and it takes work. There's joy, there's beauty, it's amazing. Marriage is awesome, but it comes with maintenance. And the reason why we think this is because we've been brought up on rom-coms. There was actually a study done, and it, and it looked at the effects of romantic comedies in the way that we perceive our romantic lives. And, and here's what, it, what it, one of the research uh, evaluations or one of the, the reports found this, is that people, they think that relationships should be easy, like the themes of rom-coms. And so they found that people believe that their spouse or their soulmate should be able to know what they're thinking without having to say it out loud. <laughs> so what's happened is that this has obviously led to communication problems in the relationship, since basically they didn't even communicate and then they got upset because like, you, you didn't know that I was upset? You're like, no, you didn't tell me you were upset. Can you not read my mind? You know, I'm like, no, I can't read your mind. You gotta talk to me. In the movies, he could read her mind and that means me that I married Mr. Wrong and he was Mr. Right and you're not knowing all this stuff, right? And, and you just start getting all worked up because you've bought into this lie, that it should just come easy. Listen, romance is awesome, but it requires work. And if you think that searching and finding the one is going to be the solution to you having a successful romantic life, quit searching. Because he doesn't exist. She doesn't exist. Now, now, searching, it, it is good, okay? Now, I'm not going to tell you, just sit, sit by and, and God will bring you a spot. No, you, you need to search, all right? You need to put on your, your best game and that sort of thing. You need to get a shirt with buttons, fellas, not a sports logo, all right? Put on some cologne, all right? Wear some deodorant, shave from time to time, all right? Present yourself and get a haircut. Get that fade. It's good, all right? Ladies, you present yourself, however y'all do that. I don't know. But anyway, you present yourself and you, you go out there and you, you search. You put your best foot forward. But listen, searching is not what's best. That's not the best use of your time. Like if you haven't taken time to prepare yourself, it won't end well. I never looked at my weapon. I never looked at my gun to see if there was bullets in the, in the clip. And when I got there, I missed my opportunity because I didn't prepare. And many of you, you've come in here tonight and you want the opportunity for romance, but you haven't even looked at your life to prepare. Now, God, he's a God of order. And when God creates things, he creates things in certain order because he's trying to help us know how things flow best in life. And so when we look at the creation account in Genesis chapter 2, you see that God is creating, he's creating all that we know that exists. And on the sixth day, he creates man. And when he creates man, he gives man some specific things to do before he gives him a woman. And here's what it says in Genesis 2, verse 7. It says, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. And then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. And then you see that he created Eden there for a little while. And then on verse 15, it says this. Then the Lord God took the man, he put him in the garden of Eden, and he said, tend it and keep it. He gave him a job to do. And then the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat it you're going to surely die. And what God is doing is he's saying that, that man needs to be established in a couple of things. And what we see later on in the book of Genesis is that he's going to put Adam to sleep, and then he's going to take a rib, and he's going to form woman, in whom Adam calls Eve, because she's the mother of all the living. And so what happens is that, is that God says, I need you to have a right relationship with a couple of things before you're right for a relationship with the, the woman, all right? And, and so here's what he says, Adam, I need you to get prepared. So point number two, if you're talking, if you're taking notes tonight, write this down, start preparing, start preparing. 
you got to quit searching. You need to start preparing. And again, before God gave Adam a romance, he gave him a relationship with himself, and he gave him a relationship with work. God didn't give Adam the opportunity to date Eve until he had established a relationship with him. You see that, right? So we don't know the time frame. Oftentimes we'll read this and we'll be like, all right, so God made Adam, and then he put him in the garden, and then he got Eve, like all in the same day, like all in the, like the same like three minutes, you know? And, and I don't know that it worked that way. That God, he, he establishes a relationship with Adam. Adam establishes a relationship with his job, and then he gets Eve. And so if you've come in here tonight, and, and you're like, man, I'm looking for the one. Where is he? Where is she? The one that my soul was made for. And you're trying to find the one. Here's what I want to do. I want to challenge you with the challenge that I was given when I was seeking a romantic relationship. That you need to seek to become the one that the one that you're looking for is looking for. Let me say that again in a different way. That you would prepare yourself tonight to become the one that the one you're looking for is looking for. Because opportunity without preparation is gonna lead to frustration at best or failure at worst. And if you and I don't seize you mainly, I've already seized this, but if you don't seize the season that you're in, all right, if you don't seize this season to prepare yourself for romance, then when that opportunity presents itself, I don't know that it's gonna end well for you. So God, he orders some things around and, and here's what he says is that first of all, you gotta have a right relationship with me. But before you can get a romance, you need a, you need a right relationship with me. And you've come in here tonight and maybe I don't know where you're at in your relationship with God, but here's what I would say and here's what I found to be true as a practitioner of, th of this sort of thing where I've walked alongside of people who have been in and out of relationships, where I've walked alongside of people who have been to the marriage altar, where I've walked alongside of people whose relationships have fractured and fallen apart, that if you're gonna be good at romance, you need to have a right relationship with God. Think about it. God, he invented romance. Like he, he invented men, he invented women. He invented marriage, he invented sex, he invented babies, he invented grandbabies, he invented heritage and legacy, he invented it all. And he has a proper way by which we should do these things. And here's what we see is that Adam had a right relationship with God before he ever had a romantic relationship with Eve. And so here's kind of my story. Man, I didn't grow up going to church. And like the fact that I'm up here like talking to you guys about relationship stuff is a little bit, it's a little bit odd to me, to be honest with you, because never was I ever like growing up thinking, you know, I would be a preacher someday. You know, like that wasn't in the cards for me. And if I came up here and I told you all the advice that I received from my father, I'd probably get fired from the church because it's inappropriate, all right? And so like when I'm hitting the dating landscape and the romantic scene, like I've got all kinds of confusion. But then when I'm a young adult, God grabs a hold of my heart and basically he says this, Chad, you have no business pursuing anybody romantically until you get right with me. And the way I got right with God is that I, I heard this message, it's called the gospel. The gospel means good news. And, and, and I began to kind of sit in that a little bit and here's what I found out is that the gospel, it's not just the ABCs of Christianity, it's the A to Z of Christianity. And, and so like I began to live in the gospel and the gospel is this, is that, is that Jesus loved you so much that he gave his life for you by dying on the cross, raising from the grave. And then 40 days later, he ascended to the right hand of the, of the, of the Father in heaven. 
and that he reigns supreme over all. And one day he's gonna return triumphant and that he is the Lord over all the universe. And up until that point in my life, like, I really liked God for forgiveness. I really liked God for love. I really liked God for mercy. I really liked God for all the goodness, but I didn't really like God for the lordship. I really didn't like God for being my boss. I really didn't like God for being my authority. But here's what I learned, that life works better and I get better at life when I'm submitted to God. And so I started preaching this gospel to my heart. I found forgiveness. I found a fresh start. Some of y'all need that tonight. And then I found instruction on how I should order my life. And so I started preaching that message to my heart. I started listening to that message in my mind. And then I found some guys, three guys, Joe, Huck, and Josiah. We started running together, man. We started studying the word together. We started doing life with each other. And we started getting into what we call community. And so I wasn't trying to do this thing solo anymore. I wasn't trying to follow Jesus on my own. And some of you have come in here, and the reason why you have a wake of destructive behaviors in your romantic life is because you have not surrounded yourself with some sisters that will love you enough to tell you he ain't no good for you. You, you had to surround yourself with some brothers that will love you enough to tell you don't go there on Saturday night with her again. And you need to get the right people around you. And so that's what I did. And so we started following Jesus together. Then I started reading this book, y'all. This is the time in your life in which you should be immersed in the word of God. If you claim to love God but you're not in his word, come on, man. <laughs> you got to get into God's word because God wants to transform your thinking by the renewing of your mind according to his word. That God wants to give you a vision for the type of man that you should be allowing to, to, to pursue you, ladies. God wants to give you a vision for the type of, of woman that you should be pursuing, fellas, from his word. That God has some things to say about your life in its totality, not just in the romantic area. area. And so I started getting in his word. And I started fighting sin. Because I didn't want to have the story in my, my romantic life when I met Chelsea. I didn't want to be like, like, yeah, I've been struggling with sin, but when I met you, like, it's all good now. Like, that's not a good story. And if, and if you're with a guy that says, I stopped sinning when I started dating you, I would be cautious. And if you're with a girl that said, I stopped struggling with that thing when I met you, I would be cautious. And I started fighting sin so that I could get sober and separated from my sin in my singleness before I ever got in a dependent relationship with a significant other. And so this is what I did, and I got involved in church, and I began to build and prepare my relationship with God. Because what business does a man have going to a woman and say, hey, come follow me for the rest of our lives if I'm not following my maker and what business does a woman have following a man that's not following his maker? It's confusing. And the Bible would even say, if you're a Christian, to not do that, to don't be unequally yoked. So God, he says, you got to have a right relationship with me before you're ready for a romantic relationship. <laughs> and here's what I see so often is that, is that people come to a place like this, and uh, like, like guys will come to a place like this and you'll see a cute girl and you'll find out she's serving with us so that she's involved, you know. And then all of a sudden you're, I'm spirit, like hands raised in the song, you see me, you know, hands raised. You, you, you know, you, you borrowed a Bible from the lost and found, you know. Like you just started like, I'm in. Like, wow, like, yeah, tell me why I love Jesus too, you know. You see this tattoo, it's Chinese, but it really means like I love God in Chinese, right. And, and like you start like making up and, and, and let me just say this, if you are, following Jesus for the sole purpose of getting closer to another person, 
you're using Jesus. And Jesus is not a means to an end. Jesus is the end, all right? And so if you're leveraging Jesus so somehow he'll give you a good word with her or with him, that's not right. And you're abusing Jesus. Think about that. You're making Jesus a commodity. I wouldn't want to be you, all right? But I see this happen all the time. So do you want God to bless your romantic relationship? I think everybody, like, even if you don't believe in Jesus and, and you're here, and I was asked, like, do you want God's blessing? You're like, yeah, hey, yeah, of course. If you were God, would you have a hard time blessing someone you don't know? And many of us, we want God to bless something that is at best distant from him and is at worst against him. But we still want to evoke the blessing of God. I'll be asked to do weddings from time to time, and, and the couple, they won't be honoring God. They won't be following God at all in their life. And I'll just simply ask the question, why? Like, if I could, if, you know, and I'll try to kind of posture this so I'm not, like, coming at their neck, you know, that sort of thing. But I'll ask, like, hey, hey, just out of curiosity, um, why, why do you want a pastor to officiate your wedding? And they're like, well, you know, I mean, it's just, that's something like, I just, you know. And, and what they're saying is like, well, you know, we want you to bless our marriage. And I always have a hard time with that. And I say, hey, I, I don't know, I think it's going to be confusing if I use y'all's relationship as an example of God's relationship with the world when y'all aren't even following God. And the reason why people end up there is because they didn't take their 20s or their 30s, their single years, to prepare themselves and to get right with God. And this is the time in which you order your life and you begin to follow God before you ever invite someone to follow you or before you ever follow somebody, that you need a right relationship with God before you're ever in a romantic relationship. This is the order of the universe. And so God, he says, Adam, I, I need you to follow me. I've got some rules for you. I need you to obey these sort of things. I need you to get right with me before you're ever in a romantic relationship. And then he gives the brother a job. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but if you, don't, if you don't have a job and you're trying to get a significant other, get a job, all right? <laughs> so I'll just say that. And the Bible's going to say some more about that, but we're going we're gonna to move on. And so... Um, <laughs> that was my big brother moment. And so here's what I want to, to move from right here is that, is that you need to get right with God. You need to get a job. And this is all so that you can get prepared. So I told you earlier when I started following Christ, like God, he, he really began to change my life. And I started reading his word. And, and, and this is how that began to influence the way that I, I changed my romantic uh, perspective is, is that I began to read God's word. And, and here's what I found is that every culture has its own standard of beauty. Like I don't know if you know this or not, but like if you go to certain parts of Asia, like women with small feet, like that's the thing, right? And so like you go there and, and then you go to parts of Africa, like women that can put a big bowl in their lip, that's the thing. And then you go to other places like other parts of the world and women that can do like these blue tattoos like in New Zealand, like that's like, wow, do you see those blue tattoos? That's the thing. You know, then you come to America and it's all sorts of other things. And so here's what I found is that every culture kind of has its thing. You know, like, like that's the thing, that's, that's what's attractive. But then you read the word of God and you find that God has a culture too. That God's written some things in his word so that we would understand what the thing is to God. And God, he began to impress upon my heart, this is what you need to be pursuing. This is what I say is beautiful. And I started praying that God would bring me this woman. And I prayed these five things that God would bring. 
that she would be this, 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 and this. And they were all from the scripture. And the Holy Spirit, in his kindness, he said, make sure that you aren't just praying that she would be these things. Make sure you are preparing just as much as you're praying. That you're preparing to be those things just as much as you're asking me that you would bring you someone that has those things. And so if you've come in here and you have some sort of godly expectation, maybe you got a list. I don't know what your list is. But most of us, we like, yeah, you know, I want my significant other to be this, this, and this. And you're praying or expecting, but you're not preparing and making sure that you're doing those things. What are you doing? Why would you want her to be sexually pure while you're looking at pornography? Why would you want him to be financially stable while you shopping spree every other weekend? Why would you want her to be spiritually mature when you're not even involved, bro? And it's confusing. But all of us want the product, but we don't want the preparation. And I'm trying to tell you that this is the season that you get prepared. Like, like before you ever get down the road in a romantic relationship, start following Jesus today. Like, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I, I want to begin a, a relationship with Jesus before I ever, I, I wanted to, before I ever got into a romantic relationship because I wanted to be established in my character, my conviction. Like, I don't know about you, but have you ever talked to somebody and, and, and you'll ask like, hey, man, we haven't seen you in a while. Like, what's going on? Like, well, you know, like, yeah, we used to be real involved, but then we got married, you know. <laughs> It just got me life, you know. It just gets busy, and uh, you know, and yeah, we just we and COVID, and you know, I mean, it's just and they just quit following because life does get busy and life does get complicated, and there are pandemics that are real. And oftentimes, what you see is that many people will follow Jesus up until the point that he gives them a romantic relationship, and then they're out. And oftentimes I question why they were following in the first place. And I don't know anyone's heart, but God does. And I don't want the story that was like, man, they were on fire in their 20s. But then when they hit their 30s and they got married and started settling down, we don't know what happened to them. Like, I I want the story that's like, like, no, man, they were on fire following Jesus, and then they, when they met each other, and, and, then, and then for the next seven decades, and now I saw them at Cracker Brother, they were swapping teeth, blue plate special, and they were on their scooter telling people about Jesus. That's the story I want, right? And you don't just get to that destination without preparing in this season. It's time to start preparing, Paradigm. And here's what I know to be true that typically you meet people at the next level that prepare to get there. So there were two people in my graduating class that played college football at the next level. It was me and this guy named Gerard Brown. And me and Gerard, man, we were boys. We were workout partners. His brother was playing at Louisiana Tech, and he came in one summer before our senior year, and he trained us the whole summer. He was just crunching on us. Y'all better, you know, getting there, getting in our grill. And we were preparing, and we were training because both of us wanted to play ball at the next level. And we both successfully played ball at the next level. Why? Because we prepared to do that. And when I showed up in the locker room in the college football area, nobody was like, wow, I've never seen this place. I actually, look, what is this? 
No, everybody walked in and they were all there because they prepared to be there. And here's the point I'm trying to make. That very rarely do you find a godly significant other who didn't prepare to be in that space. That at your job, no one showed up at your job and was like, how did I accidentally, I just pulled over and I came in and they gave me a job. No, everyone at your job, they prepared to be there. And you met people at that place that prepared to be there. And what I'm trying to tell you is that you rarely meet people at the next level who are not preparing for the next level. Are you preparing yourself? Are you preparing to become the one that the one you're looking for is looking for? Because opportunity without preparation, it leads to frustration at best and failure at worst. I told y'all earlier tonight that before we leave tonight, that you could meet your soulmate. Now we're not texting in or anything like that, all right? It ain't nothing that's romantic per se. But here's what I mean by that. That the fact that we all crave a soulmate is not a bad thing. In fact, I believe that God has put inside of us this longing to have a soulmate. That I believe this longing, it was placed in there by God, but that no person or no created thing can satisfy this craving. Because if we are made by an eternal God with this eternal longing in our soul, only the eternal God who placed the eternal longing in our soul can satisfy it. And so here's the truth, your soulmate is the maker of your soul. And many of you, you've come in here tonight and, and when it comes to relationships, man, you're all over the place because you don't have a right relationship with the God that loves your soul. The book of Jeremiah, it says this about the character of God. It says that the Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Point number three, and finally, if you're taking notes tonight, you write this down, find your soulmate. Find your soulmate. If you've come in here, and again, if you're looking for a soulmate, what you're really looking for is Jesus. What you're really looking for is the creator of your soul. He is perfect. There's no perfect people except for one man, and the man's name was Jesus, and he lived a sinless life. He died on a cross. He rose from the grave, and he is the only one that can truly satisfy your soul. Most men, categorically, you're, you're looking for relationships in life, some romantic, some not, so that you will feel this sense of significance. But only until you are in a right relationship with your maker will you truly find that sense of significance that you're longing for. Most women, categorically, you look to romantic relationships or relationships in general to find a sense of security, but only until you are in a right relationship with your maker will you find that sense of security. And here's what happens oftentimes, until we are right with our soulmate, we have this tendency, even when we're right with our soulmate, we still have this tendency to go and put the pressure on a significant other to satisfy the deepest longings that we have for significance. And men, when we do that, women, they can make you feel significant for a while. But eventually, they're gonna disappoint you. And you're gonna crush them with the weight of your worship. And ladies, you do the same thing. Like, you'll run to a romantic relationship and you'll give yourself over in that relationship thinking that it's gonna provide this security and you'll feel secure, you'll feel valuable, you'll feel lovely for a while. But then eventually, he's going to disappoint you. And you've put the weight of your worship 
on a person. And listen, people make bad gods. That the only one that can withstand the weight of your worship is God. Like, y'all, I love my wife. My wife's amazing. I'm so grateful that God has allowed us to cross paths and to run after Jesus together. It's awesome. There's so many great characteristics about my wife. But I have a way about testing her patience. And she gives me patience, she gives me patience, but eventually the patience, well, it's run dry. And oftentimes, I will disappoint her, and then she will respond in a certain way, sometimes good, sometimes bad. But here's the point. If I look to my wife to be that source of patience in my life, she's only a person, y'all. That Jesus, he is the source of patience. That I have to run to him and say, God, would you fill me up? I've done this thing. I need you to help me. God, he's my source of strength. My wife, man, she gives, she's the wind beneath my wings so often. She's such a great motivator. But my wife, she doesn't know everything about me. She doesn't know all the in workings of my day. But God is with me everywhere. And Jesus, he sees everything. He sees all of my struggles. He sees all of my insufficiencies. And he loves me the same, y'all. That Jesus is the one that, that your soul longs for. He's your strength. He's your grace. He's your mercy. He's your love. He's the one that you are made for. And if you run to romantic relationship, after romantic relationship, expecting that to give you what only God can give you, I'm sorry. You're going to be disappointed. So, as we close tonight, what's your relationship status with Jesus? If Jesus was, was to walk in here tonight, imagine that. And I said, he sat next to you, and I was like, hey, what, what are y'all? And you said, oh, we're just talking. I'm just keeping him close. I really haven't committed. And we're just talking. I'm just keeping my options open. And I look at you and I said, what? You're crazy. This is the Lord of the universe. He's El Capitan. He's the heavyweight championship of it all. He's amazing. And he's the lover of your soul. What do you mean you're just talking? You better put a ring on that one. And what I mean by that is you better commit. Why would you keep this God at a distance? When there's an invitation to begin a forever relationship right now. So where are you at in that? Are you just checking things out? And is there any reason why you wouldn't step into a secure, loving, eternal relationship with Christ tonight? And if not, let's go. I want to pray for you guys. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. God, I thank you for my friends, and I thank you just for their willingness to listen. God, I pray that you would give them success in their relationships. God, I ask that you would help them to give up on the idea that there's some mythological unicorn out there 
this one, this Mr. Wright, that's their soulmate, and that they would begin to look around them and they would maybe realign some of their expectations that may not be realistic. And God, I pray that you would help them to be open to relationships they should be open to. God, I pray that you would help them not to settle for relationships they shouldn't be settling in. And God, I pray that you would help them tonight just to kind of do some introspection and they, they wouldn't be trying to seize opportunities and position themselves in places to meet someone in a romantic way without ever taking the time to say, am I prepared? Am I right with God? Am I following God? Am I fighting my sin? Am I God's man? Am I God's woman? And God, tonight they would make a decision to spend as much or more time in preparation as they do in pursuit. God, I pray if somebody's here and they don't know you, that tonight be the night they get to know you. That you would have a glorious reunion with their soul. In Christ's name I pray.